Tov. So, we're getting pretty close to Rosh Hashanah. We're more than halfway through Elul. And Rosh Hashanah is a day that we all know needs preparation, special preparation. Um, in fact, the whole month of Elul is supposed to be preparing for Rosh Hashanah. And to be able to prepare properly inside ourselves, to be able to somehow, within us, be able to go through a Rosh Hashanah the way that we should, the way that we could, we have to learn a little more in depth about the nature of the day and what exactly it is we need to do on that day. To be able to know that I should make myself fit with the day, this awesome day, this yamim noiroim, yamim noraim, days of awe, to make myself fit with that, I have to know what's the inner mechanism, what's the inner meaning of that day, so that I could make myself fit with that day. And Rosh Hashanah is a very scary day. It's supposed to be. You should know, by the way, I, I don't know if uh, um, by Hasidim, Rosh Hashanah was a lot scarier than Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur was always as a day of Simcha. The Mishnah and Taina says, it's a day of Simcha, it's Slicha Mechila Kapor, we get forgiven. Yom Kippur is a day of closeness to Hashem. And, and Rosh Hashanah was always seen as a more austere day because it's the Yom Hadin, it's the day of judgment. It's the day of judgment. It's supposed to be a day of awe. It's supposed to be a scary day. We know that our lives are being decided. Everything that happened this past year, the good things, the bad things, the mediocre things, everything was decided last Rosh Hashanah. Bisrael Salanter says to think about that, that whatever, you know, think about whatever happened to you over the past year was decided last Rosh Hashanah. So this Rosh Hashanah, we want to make sure that this time it's supposed to be a day of scary day. It's supposed to be make a person feel trepidation. That's normal. However, we know what King David says to us. In the very beginning of Tehillim, King David says to us, it's the second chapter of Tehillim. That's how quickly King David wanted us to know about this. He said it right away in the second chapter of Tehillim. It says in Tehillim, King David says, If do es Hashem be yira, serve God with yira, with awe, with fear and trembling. Vigilu bira'ada. Can anyone translate that? Ra'ada means trembling. What's gila? Happiness. Gila is one of the ten words of happiness. It's like in the, you know, the Sassan, the Simcha, Gila, Rina, Ditsa, Chedva. Gila is a word that means happiness. And so the question is, what is Vigilu Bira'ada? Be happy in your trembling. Take joy. Listen to the words. Ivdus Hashem Bira. Yes, you have to serve Hashem at times with awe. At times, there has to be a feeling of awe, of fear. But at that same time, it has to be vigilu bira'ada. You have to have joy while you're trembling. You have to have joy in the trembling somehow. What does that mean? What is the, and, and, and of course we know that on one hand, Rosh Hashanah, I mean, this dialectic of awe, of trepidation, of shaking with simcha, with gila, with joy, this dialectic, this seeming connection of opposites, you know where else we find it? We find it in the very day of Rosh Hashanah. We, we actually play it out. If I was to say to you, Rosh Hashanah, is it a yontiv or not? Yes, Rosh Hashanah is a yontiv. Rosh Hashanah is a yontiv, meaning that it's a holiday 
And we know the very famous Pasuk from Ezra. Ezra, it's written in the Bible, in the book of Ezra, Ichlu mashmanim v'shetumam takim. Eat fat meat, drink good wine. Rosh Hashanah is a yontif like any other yontif. So on one hand, our very lives depend on what's happening on this day. So we should be trembling, but on the other hand, we have a good piece of flesh. Gilu berada. We have to be besimcha as we're trembling at the same time. So let's understand, what does that mean? How do we put these two things together? How do we understand how one could rejoice in trembling? So listen, the Chachamim, the Chazal said on the Pasuk, there's a Pasuk in Vayeschanan. Listen to this Pasuk. Ki mi goi godol kim Who is like this great nation that God is close to them? Like God at every time we call out to Him. So the Pasuk is saying, That God is close to us. We're close friends. He's close to us. God is close to us. So that's what the Torah, it's saying over the Torah, saying somehow that God is close to us. In what way is God close to us? So I want to read to you from the Torah. If you're familiar, those of you that don't know, the Torah is probably one of, if not the most fundamental book on halacha. It's probably the most fundamental book and when one learns halacha is the Torah. Just very quickly, it's, his name is Rabbi Yaakov, the Bala Turim in Chumash, the Bala HaTurim in Chumash. He's the one that originally made the text that the Shulchan Aruch is based on. So the Tur, when he speaks about the laws of Rosh Hashanah, he brings this Pasuk from Chazal, he brings this Pasuk uh, from the Torah, excuse me, he brings the Pasuk that the Jewish people are somehow close to God, and then the Tur writes as follows. Listen to the words of the Tur. He's explaining the Pasuk. Ezu uma ka'uma zu sheyadas ufyoy shel elekeha what other nation is there like this great nation that knows ufyoy? Ufyoy means the character, the personality of its God. What other nation is there like the Jewish people that knows ufyoy, the personality, the workings of its God? Shimon Hagish, and what is, where do we see that we know how God works? That somehow we're so close that we're like, we're in cahoots, we know how God works. So the tour says, Min the custom in the world, Adam din. If a person has a judgment, imagine a person, we shouldn't know from it, but a person is, was accused of a crime, whatever, you're on, on trial, and it's the day that, of the trial, of, of, to know what one's fate is going to be. So Min what does a person do on that day? When he's scared, he's scared, you could imagine, he wakes up that morning, he's so scared, he wears black clothing, he doesn't, he doesn't trim himself, he doesn't shower, he doesn't do anything, he, doesn't, he comes in unkempt and all slumped. Why? Because he can't, he can't groom himself. Because why? Because their life is online. And so, he doesn't know what's going to happen, what's the psaq going to be, what's the ruling going to be. So therefore, he goes into his judgment all scared. Now, if I were to ask you on Rosh Hashanah, what are, are we supposed to go into our judgment wearing black and, and all unkempt and whatever? No. Aval Yisrael einim kein. Leiv shim levanim. We wear nice white clothing. Misatvim levanim. 
Umegalchem zekonim, they fix the beard, mechatem tzipernem, and they cut their nails. The Jewish people before Shoshana, we get a haircut, we cut our nails, we put on nice clothing, we get all dressed up. Ve'oichlim, ve'shoisim, ve'smeichem b'roi Shoshana, and you eat, and you drink, and you're besimcha. That's the Torah's lust. Listen to the words of the Torah. And there's happiness in Rosh Hashanah. Why? Listen to these words. The Because the Jews know Because they know, we know that God on Rosh Hashanah will perform a nace, a miracle for us. What miracle? When we go into Rosh Hashanah, it's a yontiv. There's joy on the day of Rosh Hashanah. Why? Even though seemingly our life is on the line, because we know yoydim We know God's going to do a nes, a miracle for us. Does anyone know what that means? Which miracle are we talking about? What does that mean? <clears throat> huh? Giving us another year. Oh, very good. Oh. So Pashapshat, and this probably is Pshat of the tour, the simple meaning of the tour, what does it mean, the simple meaning is exactly what Evan just said, that we're going to be Zoycha Bedin, that there's going to be miraculously, that no matter how our year was, Hashem is going to give us, see us see, write us and seal us and inscribe us and seal us for a good and a sweet year. He's going to make a miracle in that we're Zoycha Bedin. That's what, that's what is this miracle, the miracles, the seeming simple understanding of the Torah. I want you to understand, when you read the Torah simply, he's just saying, the, you go into Rosh Hashanah like a yantav, all happy, all secure feeling. Why? Because God's going to make a nest. And what's the nest? That we're going to be zoich bedin. That Hashem is somehow miraculously going to give us a good judgment. But I believe there's a deeper way of understanding the tour. What does it mean? Hakadosh Baruch Hu Yasselin that we know God is going to make a ness, a ness. I want to learn a deeper idea that maybe we could say in the tour. And more than that, that this miracle, this ness that the tour is talking about, which is why we go into Rosh Hashanah like a yantiv. This ness is what makes it into a yantiv. It makes the vigilu. During the Ra'ada. This nest, what the tour is essentially saying is that the reason that it could be Vigilu Bira'ada, that there's joy in the trembling, is because of this nest, because of this miracle that Hashem is going to do for us on Rosh Hashanah. So, what does that mean? Well, let's understand. So first, let's understand a little deeper about the trembling of Rosh Hashanah. Let's talk about the trembling of Rosh Hashanah. The Mittel Rebbe, Rabdoiv Ber, the Mittel Rebbe, the son of the Balatanya, when he speaks about the trembling of Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sersimei Tshuva, when he speaks about the trembling, he uses the following phraseology. He says four words to explain a Sersimei Tshuva. From Rosh Hashanah till Yom, after Yom Kippur, the Mittel Rebbe, Rabdoiv Ber, uses four words to describe what's happening. And the rest of the shir is going to be basically explaining these four words. And I highly recommend that you get them, meditate on them, because it's a great, they're great words to meditate on throughout the Sersime Tshuva to understand what's happening. And what the Mitter Rebbe says is that a Sersime Tshuva is the time of Kiruv Hamoor El Hanitzoitz. 
the luminary gets close to the spark. The luminary comes close, unites with the spark. Meaning what? I'm sure you've all seen a bonfire, right? When you have a bonfire, what happens to sparks that are like on the outskirts of the bonfire? They get sucked into the fire and they become part, they become included in the fire. So the sparks usually go into the fire. But the Mitra Rebbe says, is the time where call out to God like Isaiah says when he's close. That's the Sarasimei Tshuva. That it's the Kiruv Hama'or El The bonfire comes to the spark. The bonfire, the luminary comes to the spark. It's the time that Hashem in His totality comes down into the world in a way unlike any other day the rest of the year. That's the trembling. What you really are becomes those days. In other words, let's understand, what's, what's a miracle? What's a mir- what does a miracle mean? All the miracles that ever happened. What, what's the definition of a miracle? A miracle is God revealing Himself. God revealing Himself. And so the Mitter Rebbe is saying the Ness of Rosh Hashanah, Ness means a miracle. But the miracle, what's a miracle? It means a revelation, a divine revelation. And the Mitter Rebbe is saying that in Rosh Hashanah, the Mo'or is Mekar Velanitzitz. The luminary comes to the place of the spark. The miracle of Rosh Hashanah on the first one way, first level, I think according to Chassidus, what's the Ness that the Tur was talking about? What's this miracle, this revelation of godliness the Torah is talking about? That we know that God comes down into us on that day. Who we really are the whole year becomes revealed in Rosh Hashanah. Because it's not based on our preparing ourselves. It's because God is coming down to us. The bonfire is going after the spark. Or if you'll forgive the marshal, the mountains are going to Muhammad. That was just a little Muslim uh, joke. the miracle is the revelation of this day on this day God is so revealed the luminary approaches us from within ourselves without from without and within Hashem is completely within us let's understand so one of the most important things to remember as we're going into Rosh Hashanah and we spend the entire two days and also the days of Slichas leading up to it we speak all the time about Hashem being a king being a king. Melech. The whole day of Rosh Hashanah is about Hashem being a Melech. Avinu Malkeinu. The whole thing is coronating God as king. Yoim HaAchtara. In the Chabad Svarim it's called Yoim HaAchtara. The day of coronation. It's the day that we make God king. We coronate God as our king on Rosh Hashanah. But what's important to remember it's so important to remember that the idea of God being a king is only a mushal. A mushal. Does everyone know what the word mushal means? A parable. A mashal. A parable. Mashal v'nimshal. There's a parable and then there's the idea trying to be conveyed. And by definition, anytime you use a parable, vis-a-vis God, what do you already know about the parable? It's imperfect. There is no perfect parable for God. 
I mean, even the fact that we call him Avinu Malkeinu, Avinu Malkeinu is two opposite things. Is he my king or is he my father? So we understand that they're all aspects, they're parables trying to make us be able to experience our relationship with God in a more understandable way. The problem is that most people are scared of Rosh Hashanah because they're scared of the big bad wolf. Most, many people are in Rosh Hashanah when they, we think about God being a king, they take it literally. They see this guy on a chair with a long white beard. And I'm not talking about people that think that God has a long white beard or sits on a chair and everything. But most people think about a king as someone with whom I will never have a relationship. He's hidden in the palace. Or the most the king will do if I ask the king to do something for me, God will save me this year. Maybe Hashem is going to be able to save me this year. Hashem is going to do this. Uh, and the king and I have to go into the king and plead my case before the king. And we see the king and us as two separate things. The king and us are two separate things. We're afraid of this king. We have to get rid of the picture of the man on the throne rewarding or punishing you. We have to get more mature. We have to get deeper in our understanding of Torah, of Hashem, of Chassidus, and understand what Chassidus reveals that what's the biggest difference in what way is God being a king not a good marshal? That, that it's a good parable for many things, that we, obvious, we don't need to say. Melech we get it. In what way is it not a good parable? In what way is the parable of Hashem being a king not a good parable? It, 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 it doesn't fit God. Anyone know? Anyone want to try to answer? The king is human limited. Oh, okay, so yeah, the king is human and limited. So that's definitely true that we're talking about a human being. But I'm, I'm saying like this, in the relationship of king and nation, when we want to say us and God, it's not a good parable. For no, that, well, you're right also, but there's another reason it's not a good parable. Rabbi, can I say? Sure. Yeah, okay. <laughs> sure. It's still over here, real quick. Um, a, king and a, a king and his nation are very, very separated from each other. Exactly. You're talking, about a, you're talking about a ruler. You're talking about a melech, a king. He's locked up in his palace. He's delegating all his um, desires all day long. And the nation is bottled. Exactly. The nation's just out there doing their thing. They're trying to do the king's rot zone. So Could really, you they're hear? separate. They're very, I mean, they're connected, but they're, they're very separate. Very good, two of you. So it's exactly correct. A king and a nation are two very separate entities. The king is locked in his castle, playing with his rubber ducky, or whatever it is that kings do. And you have millions of people running their lives. Now it's true, they're somehow connected. Millions of people are running their lives in the name of the king. You know, I do, uh, Bailey and I just got back today from Toronto. We drove back from Toronto. And like you have all these Queen Elizabeth highways. And it's like the funny thing, like she's sitting there in Buckingham Palace and all these highways, the, the name of the Queen, Queen Elizabeth, everything's in the name, and she's on all the money and the, the Alazach. In other words, somehow there's some kind of relationship of the King and the people. They run their life based on the rules of the King in the name of the King. But, number one, the, 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 the nation doesn't usually get to see the King very rarely. Number two, sometimes they bechlal, the nation lives their life and most of the life doesn't pay attention to the king. And the king in the same way 
How much does the king pay attention to the nation? He rules the nation. But does the king get interested in the private, personal, intimate lives of the people in the nation? Of course not. So the king and the nation, and the most important thing to remember in Rosh Hashanah, when we speak about Hashem being king, we have to go deeper, we have to be more mature. We can't keep staying with what we had when, you know, when we were little. We have to go a little deeper and understand that Malchus, that when we speak about Hashem being king, it's not like a king with a nation that are two separate entities. And neither is completely focused on the other. Rather, when we speak about Hashem's Malchus, does anyone know what Malchus aspect in the Godhead is? In what in the academic circles is called the Godhead, meaning the, in God's being, there's a level called Malchus. There's something called Malchus. Does anyone know what that is? Most physical? Right, it's the most physical and involved, like, earthly. Right, the most earthly part of the aspect of godliness that, that becomes involved in the earth, that's true. And more precisely, why is that? Because Malchus is one of the ten spheres. We know there are ten spherot. There are ten spherot, which we don't have a lot of time to get into tonight, but we know the ten spherot are basically ten prisms through which God shines His light and manifests. Just like our personality, we have our own personality, we have our intellect, we have our emotions, we have a personality. So the ten spherot are Hashem's kiviyochal personality, His attributes. Ten prisms through which God shines His light, which allows reality to exist. And the tenth sphera is Malchus. Is called Malchus. When you speak about Hashem's Malchus, you're speaking about an actual attribute of God. And what is this attribute of God called Malchus? What is this attribute of God called Malchus? So Elio Anavi already taught us, it's in the Pasach Elio, if anybody ever reads the Pasach Elio, that famous piece from the Tikkun Zayar, Malchus Peh. Malchus peh teshba pekarinala. Malchus peh. The best moshal, the best parable for God's malchus is koyach adibur, speaking. Let's analyze for a second. What happens when you speak? Is speaking part of your soul or not? Is speaking part of your soul? Yeah, it's part of you. It's part of your being. What is, is my speaking is a part of my being, but is my speaking for me or for others? For the other. It's an aspect of my personality that the whole purpose of it is for there to be an other, is to, to be able to communicate with the other, to reach, to touch the other. That's what Kayachadibah, that's what speech is. What does that mean vis a vis Hashem? It's the aspect of Hashem's light that goes through tzimtzumim, many contractions and concealments, until there's a level of godliness that's contracted enough called Sphira Samalchus that could become the world, 
the godliness, the energy, that be, the light that becomes the world, not just this world, all worlds, the spiritual worlds, all of reality, that godly light that creates all the angels and the planets and the universe, all this godly light is called the tenth sphera, called spheras hamalchus, also known as the indwelling Shekhinah light, also known as the Shekhinah. Shekhinah is the nickname for the tenth sphere, for Malchus. Shekhinah is that indwelling light, that light, that energy that becomes reality that's known as God's Malchus. And that's why it's like Kayach Adibur. If, if somebody, let's say, let's say you had a person that can't speak, a brilliant person but can't speak, or let a person loses their ability to speak, have you lost anything of who you are? No, you just can no longer communicate with somebody outside yourself. Speech is only for someone outside yourself. Malchus, when we speak about Malchus, Hashem's Malchus, it means the light of God that's not God revealing Himself. He rather contracts and conceals the levels of light that reveal Himself. And like speech is about the other, He brings about levels of light, His energy, that bring other things, reality into existence. Is that clear? What Hashem, why Hashem's Malchus? So Malchus is part of Hashem. Again, ten spheres is after God does Tzimtzum. But in Hashem's essence, of course, there are no parts and there are no spheres in God's essence. After God contracts Himself and does Tzimtzum, Hashem then has these attributes and Malchus is part of Hashem and that part of Hashem is what we are. That becomes the, the, the energy, the light that becomes the world. We are spheres of Malchus. Where's the Shechina? You know, the Baal Shem Tev writes in Tzavas Rivosh. It's one of those, it's one of the lines that the Misnagdim, those, that movement that once upon a time used to be against the Hasidim. That movement, they were very against the Hasidim. They, when they burned Tzavah they burned the Baal Shem Tov's book. One of the lines that they quoted that they were so upset about, that's so radical, Hasidah says, the Baal Shem Tov says, and I'm quoting, bear in mind that you see the Shekhinah as you're looking at physical objects. If I were to say, did you ever see the Shekhinah? What would you say? You're looking at the Shekhinah right now. I don't mean just me. I mean everyone. Everything is the Shekhinah. The Shekhinah is the contracted light of God. God contracts His light to bring about worlds. That's what the Shekhinah is. That's what Malchus says. And the Baal Shem Tov says, therefore you have to have that in mind. When you're looking at the world, you're seeing Hashem's contracted light. You're, you're seeing Hashem making a light to bring something out, out other than revealing Him. But it's still His light. Yeah. Why are you sorry? Mm -hmm. would be Say, talk louder, they can't hear you on Zoom. <laughs> it's very far. Okay, so just as speech is an expression from us toward the other, Malchus, the comparison there was that Malchus is Hashem's outward expression toward us? Yes. Okay. Just like speech is an expression for the other, it does, it's, not the, it's not the totality of who I am. It's my ability to go outside myself Malchus is that aspect of God's light. The higher levels of God's light are reveal, revealing Him, Him revealing Himself. But Malchus is that light that now is bringing about other things, worlds, created beings. 
I'm sorry? Why is it called Godhead? In academia? Yeah. Because it's, it's when, you, when all the Kabbalistic aspects... The Kabbalah speaks about a lot of different aspects of God, but God is simple and one. So like the, the Godhead is like the, the one that has all these parts after he contracts himself. Oh. So that's what Malchus is. So we understand that Malchus means that we have to understand what is this, this, this energy, this Malchus that becomes the world. The Arizal says that Rosh Hashanah if you've never heard this, this is probably the most fundamental thing you will ever learn about Rosh Hashanah, if you've not learned this before. The Arizal writes in two words, what's the Aved of Rosh Hashanah? What is it we need to do on Rosh Hashanah? Huh? Crown Hashem. Crown Hashem, yes. But the words that Arizal used for that is Binyan Hamalchut. Binyan Hamalchus. Binyan Hamalchus, building the sphere of Malchus. In other words, we actually have to make spheres Hamalchus. Crowning Hashem is what we're doing. But what is the, the it, that's, how, that's what we do in our subjective experience. But when I, my subjective self, crown Hashem, what am I actually doing? I am making, I am building spheres Hamalchus. Why is that? Why do we need to build it? So like the Alter Rebbe explains in Tanya, you know, the Pasuk says in Parshas Ekev, when it's talking about Eretz Yisrael, Eretz HaShatomid Eini Hashem Alekechabad, the Eretz Yisrael is the eyes, Hashem's eyes are upon the land. Meireshis HaShana V'ad Achris Shana. From the beginning of the year to the end of the year. And we're all used to knowing Rosh Hashanah, what does Rosh Hashanah mean? The head of the year, Right? But the Alter Rebbe explains something very fascinating. If you think for a second, time is, is circular. Time is a prism, is a continuum that doesn't really have a beginning and an end. In other words, like this, most people understand when, let's say New Year's, January 1st is New Year's. There's nothing specific that it's a, like, it was decided that this is how we're going to count the calendar. This is how we're going to count the calendar. When it comes to the Jewish year, it's not like that. When it comes to the Jewish year, from the time Hashem created the world, what Hashem does is that Hashem emanates only enough light for one year. When Hashem emanates His light to bring about the world, He emanates enough light just for the world to exist for one year. And therefore, there's literally the beginning of that light and the end of that light. So when Erev Rosh Hashanah, when the night of Rosh Hashanah, as dusk, as twilight, as the last day of the year, the 29th of Elul, it starts getting dark, literally, the light that became Sphira Samalchus is Nistalik Lamala, goes back up to God. The energy, the light that is what the world, what keeps the world going, and the night of Rosh Hashanah is not there. To the extent that Hasidus asks, how does the world exist until the morning when we blow shofar and incarnate God as king? Because the night of Rosh Hashanah, there's no light. The light, is, the light that becomes reality goes up. And Marizal says, we have to do binyan hamalchus. Time has parameters. 
the light and energy of the year finished and we through our Aveda, we have to reach God's essence and make that He should want to shine out the worlds again. We, wanna, we, have to, we have to make Hashem want to shine out His light, to manifest His worlds again, to bring about worlds again. The world, the light, the energy that is the world goes up ever Shoshana. We have to be binyan a malchus, build the sphere of malchus. By the way, that could be a reason. You know, the custom by Hasidim is to say a lot of Tehillim on Rosh Hashanah. If you have a chance to say Tehillim on Rosh Hashanah, it's very important. The two days of Rosh Hashanah, including at night, to say as much Tehillim as possible. Try to finish the book of Tehillim over Rosh Hashanah. It's a very big thing to say Tehillim on Rosh Hashanah. And Pashtus, the reason is, who's the author of Tehillim? King David. And in the Ushpizen, what is King David, which, which Mida, which attribute does King David manifest? Malchus. It's all about Malchus. So therefore, let's think for a second. So accepting God as king means, what does it literally mean therefore? Based on everything we're saying. What does it mean to crown God as king? Once we understand that Sphiris Malchus is one of the ten spheres, which is united with God completely, and that's who we are and who we become when we crown God. So, Lemaisa, practically, in, in deeper understanding, what exactly does accepting God as king mean? What does accepting God as king mean? It means to live according to the truth of Binyan Amalchus, that we are nothing other than God's light. It's not like a physical king and the nation that are completely separated from each other. Accepting God as king, building Malchus, means to understand that you are an emanation of God right now. Right now, God is emanating you into existence. Every moment, the Baal Shem Tov taught us, that's the Yisait of Chesidus, the truth of God's unity, is God is emanating you into existence this moment. Every moment. And that emanation is known as Malchus. And so Rosh Hashanah accepting King as Malchus means to live according to that. That reality is, of, is Hashem. Imagine if somebody's on a life support machine. We shouldn't know if somebody's on a life support machine. Would the person ever take a hammer and bang the machine? No, because they know they're, life, they're on a life support. Their life depends on it, Right? We're all in a life support machine. It's called God. God is pumping our, not just our breath, but our whole reality into existence every moment. He's emanating His light and contracting His light to go through all the contractions, to become spheres of Malchus, to create and emanate us into existence every moment. So what does it mean to coronate God as King on Rosh Hashanah? It means to live like that. To live like that. <clears throat> Now that's very scary. That's really scary. You know what it means to live like that? What would it mean to live like that you knew that every moment God is pumping your existence into... What would, what would our life look like with the constant knowledge that we're a constant emanation from God? We would be bedvekus. That's dvekus. We would be completely bedvekus. We would be never have a separate entity. We would feel that everything in me, everything that I am, is just Hashem's light. And then we would never be able to sin. We'd never, we'd be rolling around the floor seeing nishmas all day or something. 
I'll tell you, I'll tell you, you want to you know, you know what we, we should be like if we really understood what Sfirah Samalchus is, what it really means to coronate God as king. The Alter Rebbe, the Balatanya, once wanted to describe the level of Yer Shemaim of Rab Aaron Karlina. If you've heard of the great Rab Aaron of Karlin, we, uh, we sing here in our shul, Evi Shal Shudas, we sing Ko'echsof. Ko'echsof, that's from Rab Aaron Karlina. The holy Rab Aaron Karlin. Just to tell you how great Rab Aaron Karlin was, <clears throat> they say that Rab Aaron Karlin would have the custom that every Friday night after the meal he would say Shira Shira. And the shir, and it would make such a tumult in heaven when Rabban Karlina would say shir shir, and all the angels would start singing. It would cause such a such a tumult in heaven that the Maggid of Mizrich in Mizrich was woken up from his sleep from Rabban Karlina's shir shir. Rabban Karlina would say shir shir, and it caused such a tumult, such a balagan in the upper worlds that it disturbed the sleep of the Maggid of Mizrich. And so the Magad of Mizrich sent her Baron Karlina a message saying, you have to stop saying Shir Shirim Friday night. I can't sleep. The angels are making too much noise. And by the way, Hasidim took from this two things. You see the greatness of Baron Karlina, the greatness of a Shir Shirim, but you see even more the greatness of the Magad of Mizrich's sleep, which is Doicha, the Shir Shirim of Baron Karlina. You see what the sleep of what the sleep of a tzaddik is, that it's more important than the Shir Shirim. But anyway, but the Alter Rebbe wanted to once describe Rabbi Aaron Karlina, what was his constant state of mind? What was his year of Shemaim like? I'm going to tell you, I'm quoting you from a book. This is the way it was written, okay? Um, this is what the Alter Rebbe said, to, to, to describe the year of Shemaim, the awe of Rabbi Aaron Karlina, what it, what it really would look like if we lived with crowning the king, meaning understanding that we are an emanation of the king. So the Alter Rebbe said like this, imagine a person who's on death row. Imagine a person knows that in a week they're going to be put to death. Imagine, we can't even imagine what that feels like. Dead man walking. Right? Then you have the day before the person's supposed to be put to death. Imagine the fear. And then imagine the person wakes up knowing that they're going to be put to death. And, and, and the altar of it went on. And then the person is taken out of his cell and brought towards the firing squad. Could we even imagine what that person's feeling? We shouldn't know from it. And he's put against the wall, and everyone lifts up their guns and shoots. At that moment, the fear that the person is feeling, the Alter Rebbe said, Rabbi Aaron Karliner had 24-7. That fear that intense dread that the person is about to be shot to death, whatever, if you could imagine how intense that fear is, Rabban Karliner had that kind of era, that kind of awe all the time. So where does that leave people like us? Where does that leave people like us? Seemingly, to live with Binyan Malchus means we're building, we know Rosh Hashanah, it, we're building the sphere of Malchus and that comes by knowing that we are an emanation of God's light, that Hashem is emanating us into reality every moment. But seemingly to become really, really part of that, you have to be a tzaddik to be in that level of dveikus. But Baruch Hashem, we have in our generation the Lubavitcher Rebbe of blessed memory of our generation. The Lubavitcher Rebbe stressed 
that it's true that maybe our generation is less in some way, many, many ways than previous generations. But the Rebbe said, listen carefully, that previous generations, they came to these high levels of yira, of awe, of really feeling they were a constant emanation of God's light. So quantitatively, their whole being, their whole being was completely enraptured in God. Quantitatively, quantitatively, those other past generations, the tzaddikim, they had a much greater bittel, a much greater nullification to God quantitatively. Because why? Does everyone know the difference between qualitative and quantitative? Yeah? Quantitatively, previous generations were much greater because their whole being was completely in God. As opposed to us, the quantitatively, I mean, how often, thank you very much, how often are we able to serve God? How often and how much of God, even when we daven Shemona Esrei, are we giving God just our lips or do we give our God our whole being? So quantitatively, seeming we can't compare to previous generations. However, qualitatively, a chuti. The Rebbe said, Lubavitch Rebbe taught, and he says this a few times, that when it comes to the quality of Bittel, the quality of coronating God, our generation could do it better than all the previous generations. Why is that? Seemingly it's the other previous generations, qualitative, the whole being was enraptured in God. What does it mean that our generation could do it better? Not better, but qualitatively, there's qualitatively an akuda that our generation makes God king. There's a reason that Mashiach's going to come when, when we're the ones that are going to coronate God king. So the Rebbe explains this. He has a very fascinating letter. I don't know if you know, the Lubavitch Rebbe would always write before certain holidays, would write what's called the Micht of Klali, would write a letter, a general letter, uh, like as sort of to, to the Jewish people. He would address it to B'nai B'nai Yisrael, and he would write a, a letter like... Uh, Likrat uh, a letter of, of uh, greetings for the upcoming holiday. In the 60s, I don't remember, if, I think it was six, 1968, if I'm not mistaken, maybe 1969, I'm not, but it was definitely the late 60s. The Rebbe wrote a letter, and in that letter he writes that seemingly the whole idea of a king is completely has been foreign to us for a long time. You know, in 1917, when they overthrew the Tsar in Russia, if you know the history, in 1917, by the Bolshevik Revolution, when they overthrew the Tsar, Hasidim, there were few Hasidim that started crying. And so some of the younger Hever asked them, what do you, the Tsar was an anti-Semite. Him and his father, the, the, the Romanovs, were one of the most anti-Semitic dynasties in history. So, so, they, so they asked the Chassidim, why are you crying? Because they overthrew the Tsar. And the, so the Chassidim said, because how will we have a mushal, a parable for a king? Chassidim were crying because if, if we don't have a Tsar, if there's no king, like today, today we don't even, Queen Elizabeth, nobody has that much, I mean, people have respect for her, but I don't think anyone is scared in her presence. She doesn't have the power of life and death. So the Chassidim said that when the, the Tsar was overthrown, that, that, that we don't have a mushal anymore. 
We don't have a lepidica muscle. We don't have a muscle of what it means to be in awe of a king. We lost the idea of a king. We don't have a parable of a majestic figure. And unfortunately today, even there's not, in the tzaddik, there's no real tzaddikim also today. Like we don't, you don't know to, like, I, to be in the presence of somebody, of a tzaddik, of a king, of somebody majestic that you feel like, like, like you want to hide under the table. We, we, don't, we don't even know what that experience is like. But the Rebbe wrote further in the 60s. He said, and now, not only that, but now what's everyone talking about in the 60s? Anti-authority, individualism. So the Rebbe says that seemingly the idea of Kabbalah's ol malchus shemaim, accepting the yoke of the kingdom of heaven, which is what Rosh Hashanah is all about, accepting the yoke of the kingdom of heaven, to be able to do that, to be able to accept the yoke of the kingdom of heaven, the Rebbe says, seemingly for our generation, it's too difficult. It's a generation that doesn't believe in authority. It's a generation of individualism. But the Rebbe says that's exactly why qualitatively, any time we are able to accept God as king, it's that much more meaningful than all the previous generations. Because it's so against our nature, if we're able to accept God, although perhaps less circumstances, less regularity, it could be that we, we, we don't accept God as king over the course of the year as regularly as others, as, as the previous generations, as the holy people in previous generations. But the opposite, if we understand that because it's against our nature, because we're anti-authority and individualistic and we're so used to democracy, we're so not used to the idea of, a, having, of, 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 of giving up one's agency, giving up one's authority to someone else, giving oneself over to someone else. But the Rebbe said that's why qualitatively, if we're able to do that, whenever you open up a book, you daven even though you're not in the mood to daven, we do a mitzvah, we accept Hashem as king, that qualitatively is greater than previous generations. Our generation, and this is very very fitting that the Lubavitch Rebbe said this, he always looked to show how our generation is the greatest generation, and he said that opposite, quanted qualitatively, our generation is just, it's just God. Previous generations, they, their whole being was connected to Hashem, but it was coming from within them. We accept God because we're just one with Hashem. It's just who we are in the deepest way. Now I want everyone to understand, this idea of incarnating God as King, which we're learning is Binyan Amalchus, which we're learning is bringing the light, bringing the light down for another year. That with the blowing shofar, we draw the light down, enough energy for another year. We also understand, by the way, based on this, what does that have to do with the din, with the judgment of Rosh Hashanah? What does the drawing of the light down have to do with it? So what's the judgment? The judgment is very simply that we're being, Hashem is saying, okay, you want me to emanate my light for another year, make the world keep going for another year? Let's see, are you living according to, are you accepting me as king? Are you living according to Sefirah Samalchus? Are you a receptacle for my Shekhinah? Are you living in a way that you're allowing the Shekhinah to be manifest for another year? And so we have to understand what that means to us to, 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 to accept God as king in such a way is because when we're accepting God in that way, we're accepting essentially who we really are. 
There's no other source of explanation of why our generation is still accepting God as king. It's because that's who we are. It's from the neshama. We don't have lavish levels of fear of God, etc. But we have the fact that essentially we are God's children, which Tanya chapter 2 says, it means that we are one with Hashem. When we accept the yoke of kingship, it means giving over the reins of our lives, giving over the control of our lives to Hashem. The illusion of independence... The illusion of independence. We all have the illusion of independence. Carnating of God as king means to get rid of the illusion of independence. To hand the reins of our life back to who and what they really are, which is the Shekhinah, which is God's Malchus. And we understand based on this, that that's the idea of the Kir of Hamorel and Nitzotz, the coming close of the bonfire to the spark, Kiruv hamo'or el hanitzutz, the bonfire, the luminary, comes to the spark. Rosh Hashanah is the time where he comes down and reveals his essence because the only way we're able to draw down a new energy for another full year is from God's essence. From the very essence and being of God. And so Hashem comes down to the world and to allow us to accept Him. What does it mean to accept Him as King? In the, what is the Hasidish way of accept, the Hasidish explanation of accepting Him as King? That I am His light. I am now an emanation of Hashem. I am an emanation of divinity. I'm on a life support system. That's what, that's what it means that God is my King. I live in a way not like a king in a nation where the king is in his tower and the nation is running their life. I live in a way where my whole life is based on God. Everything I do, every way I function, my family life, my work life, it's, I'm an emanation of Hashem. That's what it means to carnate God as king. Because the luminary is coming closer to the spark and allowing us to feel that in the deepest way. And therefore I think also that maybe we could say, remember the tour... The tour said that why is it that we get dressed up Rosh Hashanah Ziyantiv? Because we're sure that Hashem is going to make for us a nace. Now you, you know the word nace, as the Ramban explains, also means banner. A banner. Like a flag is a nace. <clears throat> what do you do with a flag or a banner? You raise it up, you lift it up, that everyone could see it. So the Ramban actually explains that that's also the meaning of the word Nisayon. When God tests us, Nisayon is like a nace. He makes us like a banner. The famous question, why does God need to test people? Seemingly he knows what a person's like. The answer is because God wants to raise the person up with their potential like a banner, like a flag. But I think that maybe we could say that what the Torah is saying, that we know that Rosh Hashanah has You know what the Ness is? Ness means he raises us up. He allows us to raise ourselves up. Accepting God as king doesn't negate our existence. Listen carefully. Accepting God as king does not negate our existence. It is our existence. God being king, Svir Samalchus, is who we are in the deepest way. It's our breath, it's our blood, it's our flesh. It's everything is Sfiris Malchus. Accepting Hashem as King is coming back to who you really are. Return again to the land of this, your soul. Return to who you are, return to what you are. That's what Rosh Hashanah is. 
Everything goes back to the primal state. When Hashem first created the world, He emanated a year's worth of energy, but when He first did it, there was no people alive yet, so He did it mitzad chesed. But every year after that is based on our Aveda. We have to cause God to reveal the light that's going to become who we are again. And I, we can understand that that's the joy in the trembling. That's the, that's the joy, the gilu bera'ada, <clears throat> the joy in the trembling. On one hand, it's, it's trembling, it's knowing that I'm coming to the state of awe, of knowing that mamish I have to accept uh, that built Sphira Samalchus, Binyan Hamalchus, by saying Tilim, by accepting God as King, by saying the words of the Machzer, by hearing the Shofar, and most importantly, by having an, an inner feeling of accepting the yoke of God as King. But what does that mean? Not like a yoke that's crushing me, a yoke that is who I am. It is who we are essentially. Sphira Samalchus is the Shechina, is reality. So essentially what Rosh Hashanah is, is a day where we become realigned. If anyone ever had issues that they had to go to a chiropractor, so you know what it means to get realigned, to be realigned. Rosh Hashanah, we get realigned with who we really are, with what we really are. What's a greater joy than that? To know that Hashem, to be able to make Hashem king, and that's the judgment of that day. And that's why, of course, we say slichas, because the previous year, maybe we weren't always aligned with that. But Rosh Hashanah is a new beginning. And in Rosh Hashanah, we could accept Hashem as king in such a way, and as the Rebbe would always say, you have to, there's a tenai, to be able to accept God as such a, a king in such a real deep way, it has to be besimcha gedoyla. You know, when they would coronate the king in the old days, it was a huge thing. In the old days, when they would coronate kings, the whole kingdom, there would be free wine. It was a huge simcha. There were parties for like months on end. So a coronating goddess king, that's to be a huge simcha. But the simcha is the simcha that comes from knowing who we really are, that Hashem is in our blood, Hashem is in our breath. We are nothing other than malchus. We are Hashem's malchus. We're building ourselves. I'm going to finish with a quick story. It's a famous story. I've said it over a couple of times already, but... One time on Sukkot, the Balatanya went into the Sukkah where his son, the Mittler Rebbe, we mentioned before, Abdoiv Ber was sitting. And the Alter Rebbe went to his son and said to him like this, Baron you, mitvas has to gedavan Rosh Hashanah. Baron, with what did you daven in Rosh Hashanah? What does it mean? What was he asking his son, with what did you daven in Rosh Hashanah? So in Chabad, Mitzvah will have a chance to speak about this uh, in the Shabbos morning Hasidah we'll talk a lot about this. Chabad is contemplative meditation, which means, let's say, some people meditate by focusing on the breath. In Chabad, you meditate by focusing on divine concepts, ideas about God. That's how you make God a part of you. That's how you get close to God in a panemistic inner way because you have aspects of God's light that you can meditate on. <clears throat> so a real chassid never goes to daven without having with what to daven. Mitvas to daven. And you have to have with what to daven. What do you, when you go to daven, what's going to be in your head while you're davening? What picture, so to speak, what aspect of God's light are you going to be thinking about? What aspect of godly revelation are you going to be focusing, contemplating when you're davening? So the altar was said to some midvasas to get davened Rosh Hashanah. With what did you daven Rosh Hashanah? What did you daven with in Rosh Hashanah? 
So the Mitter Rebbe responded, I davened with the Vechol Koimel Lefanecha Teshtachave. Vechol Koimel Lefanecha Teshtachave, the words are from Nishmas, but basically the Arizal explains it means Odom Kadmon. If anyone here is familiar with the Kabbalistic concept of Odom Kadmon, it means Odom Kadmon is the first will after Tzimtzum God has for worlds to exist. At that level, when God has a will, everything comes into being. So it's a very high spiritual level, completely connected still with God. So the Mitter Rebbe said to his father, you know what I done with in Rosh Hashanah, meditating how all the worlds are completely unified within God. And then the Mitter Rebbe said to his father, Untata, what did you daven with in Rosh Hashanah? And the Alter Rebbe said, I davened with the shtender. I davened with the shtender. You know what a shtender is? That's a shtender. An elektern, where you know where you put your sitter, the where you put your sitter down. The Alter Rebbe says, I davened with the shtender. Meaning, I didn't go up to some higher worlds, I didn't meditate about higher worlds, I meditated how God is in the shtender. That's what it means to coronate God as king. It's not about going up into the wild blue yonder. It's about your living room and dining room and bedroom and bathroom. And it means being able to feel how God is our life. God is our life. God is our life. Melech and Chaim. Melech and Chaim. You'll notice, and especially the Slichas and Ever Shoshana, we keep saying Melech and Chaim. Melech and Chaim, if you understood tonight's class, now you should understand that they're synonymous. Hashem's Malchus and Chaim, life, are synonymous. Hashem's Malchus is the light that is our life, literally. And where do we have to look to find that? In the shtender, in the table right in front of you, in your hand right in front of you. We should be Zeichem Mitzvah Hashem to coronate Hashem as king of ourselves and over the whole world. And this should be the last time. Hopefully Mitzvah Hashem Mashiach will come before that. But everyone should be Zeichem to Aksivach Simatoiv and Agutka Ben Shtior. We should all manage somehow to live in this way as much as we can. Not like Rabbi Aaron perhaps, but qualitatively to have moments to have moments of the day where I feel I am nothing but an emanation of God. I'm just here to fulfill God's will. That's what it means accepting God as King. We should be zeichet to do it and be sealed and inscribed for good and a healthy and a happy year. Amen. Any other questions, comments, or witticisms? For uh, Rav Carlina around that, that, that topic, I mean, I didn't really... I, 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 what you just last said, you know, making God your King is, and seeing Hashem and everything and, and, and being so at the moments when we're feeling that way, go back to feeling like you're being shot by a firing squad. Because I don't see how those two... No, no, no. One is a fear of like an like eminent destruction is coming my way. Right. That's pure fear. Right. I don't see how we live like that in how you finished. So, so, so it's, it's obviously, in other words, the cause of the fear, the, the Alter Rebbe wasn't talking about, the cause of, Rebarn, of the fear of the guy being shot and the cause of Rebarn Kalina's fear are obviously different. Rebarn Kalina was afraid of Hashem. The guy being shot was afraid of being shot. The intensity of fear is what the Alter wanted to say. He was using the parable to say, you know how intense the fear of, of God that Rabbi Karliner has? The intensity of fear that a guy that's about to be shot in the firing squad has. And, and what does that look like, that fear? It means literally to be like, to, if you have a perception of God, you are, it's very, very awe-inspiring. 
And it has to be joy we're learning tonight because it is who you are, but you have to know that you're part of infinity. And why can't I be just okay with that? Without having to be, as you just said. Hmm? So fear of misstepping, fear of doing an affair. Is that what this is? That's fear? It's an imperfect moment. No one's asking you to do that. So there's actually five... There's actually five different levels of Yira that Tanya talks about, so we don't have time to get into that. But basically, think about it. Think about it like um, when you're, um, uh, uh, you're on a ski lift, and, or you're on the roller coaster, and they put the thing, you know, a roller coaster goes upside down, and they put the bar over you, and you like check that it's sealed, and like you ask them to, well, I ask them to like double check to make sure that, right? <laughs> What's that, that fear is, is, is fear that something's going to happen, right? So that's like the guy with the firing squad. But if you can imagine that God is your harness, God's keeping you in the roller coaster. You want him close. You don't want to let God go away. He's keeping you in that roller coaster of life. You want to double check and make sure that it, it's not going to move. That's the year. You wanted to ask something? Um, you mentioned uh, towards the beginning the idea like the Malchut and the Shekhinah, like they're like it's, like it's uh, I don't you don't use the word synonymous, but like they were like the Shekhinah is like in the physical. It's like what we see. Uh huh. And I wondered like what like um, in terms of, like the Mishkan was was like a uh, was a dwelling place you know, for the for the Shekhinah. What does that mean? In that is if if we need a dwelling place, but everything is. That's a great question. So, so the Mishkan was not just a dwelling place for the Shekhinah. The Shekhinah actually is even in, in the Medrash says when Moshe Rabbeinu had the appearance, God appeared in the Sne, right? The Sne is a lowly bush. And the Medrash says, why did God choose to reveal himself to Moshe in a lowly bush and not some beautiful sycamore? And the answer is to show that the whole world is filled with the Shekhinah. So you're right. The Mishkan wasn't just a place for the Shekhinah. The Mishkan was an indwelling place for the etzem, atzmus, the essence, the infinite light of God, the masculine aspect of God's light, the infinite aspect. Not the not j- the indwelling shechina is everywhere, but the essence of Hashem that was what was in the Mishkan. Anyone else? Yeah. When Chazal used the word Shechina, they're not Medayik, which level of God's light they're talking about. So you could have the word Shechina being used in Chazal that Chassidus will explain really means the levels before Tzimtzum. So. Tov. All right. Hope to see everyone Wednesday at 8 o'clock.